Well, let me ask you this question. And you don't need to raise your hands. You, you, you don't, I know when Brian preaches, uh, it, it's usually this means yes, this means no, raise your hand, touch your toe, whatever. Um, you don't have to raise your hands or do anything, okay? But I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Is anybody in here a little tired? Anybody feeling overwhelmed? Maybe a little exhausted? And I'm not just saying physically, maybe mentally, emotionally, maybe even spiritually. I know some of us, we get so busy and it's like, I'm going to take a break. And then in the midst of taking a break, we forgot even why we're taking a break. And then we just go right back at it. And we don't take a break. And we don't find the peace we need and we don't relax. Have you also noticed that we are a nation that has a bunch of short fuses? We, we seem to lose our cool a little bit quicker than we used to. We've grown a little bit more impatient with, with people than we used to. We get cranky. We get tired. We get short with one another. And I was sharing with the family before they got up here. I said, well, I just want to let you know, I'm actually using a baby as an as illustration. And who knows, maybe your child gets to be the sermon illustration today. But I often have, and you've probably seen this as a parent um, of a one-year-old, two-year-old, a little child. And they are just, they're cranky and they're, they're irritable and they're just all over the place. And the parents are like, what do, what do we say as parents? Sorry, they're just tired right now. They get that way when they're tired. You know, you know we adults, we, we get that too, right? We get, we get cranky when we're tired as well, right? And I was sitting next to a young lady uh, a few weeks ago, and, and we were going to be sitting by each other for about three hours, and she had this one-year-old on her lap and trying to calm her one-year-old and give him a bottle and then trying to, you know, like just she was irritable and she was moving around, and, and she looked at me and she goes, I'm, I'm sorry. She's just, she's just tired. She just needs to take a nap. And I'm sitting there, you know, I'm thinking, that's okay. You know, no big deal. No big deal, right? And then I heard the mom finally whispered to her child, like, stop fighting. Just go to sleep. Do you ever feel that way? I mean, we're, we're so exhausted, we become irritable with people. We're so tired, we become impatient. We're so, we're so just stretched thin that we're like, I don't even know what to think anymore. And we make bad decisions. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Last week, we concluded the sermon series on a spiritual journey with a message. I said, you know, let's get up. You know, if you fall down, get up. If you're going in the wrong direction, turn around, go in the right direction. And it wasn't meant to be like a rah-rah motivational speech. You know, in, in, in my passion for, for sharing that message, I wanted to remind you this. It's not on your power to get up, and it's not on your power to turn around. You're going to need help with that. I'm going to need help with that. And, and I love a good motivational uh, message, uh, uh, an inspirational movie or a book, you know. And I, you say, Rex, what do you, oh, the, the Rocky movies, uh, Braveheart, Gladiator. There's certain movies that I just sort of resonate with. It's like sort of fires me up and gets me going. But that was not the intent last week. Like, it's a rah-rah speech. No, no, no. It's God's Word. And He's telling us when we fall down, get up, when we go in the wrong direction, get back in the right direction. But here's the thing. We don't do that by our own willpower. We can't. We can try, but sooner or later we fall back down, we go in the wrong direction again, and we, we need more. We need God's Spirit to direct us. And so for those of us who are tired, for those of us who are worn out, 
For those of us that just sort of keep falling or we have fallen and we just don't want to get up or we're going in the wrong direction, we're tired of turning around. And, and, and for those of us that are feeling that way, I want to take you here to an invitation that Jesus gives all of us. From uh, Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28, it says this. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to hear or bear. And the burden I give you is light. See, our Savior knows. Jesus knows. We can't do this on our own. He invites us not only to follow him, but to walk beside him, to walk with him. He invites us to find rest for our souls. And that's the message I want you to hear this morning. I could step down now and we'd be done, but I want to go share a little bit more of this. But I, I, I often fear for our church, not because for a lack of spirituality, but for burnout, for emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual burnout where we just have forgotten how to rest and to realize Jesus wants to walk right beside us. He says, follow me, but he wants us right there as well. So in Matthew 11, I want to take you through this chapter very quickly. Let me begin by saying in Matthew 10, Jesus gave instructions to his 12 disciples. He says, I'm going to teach you what to do, what to say, and then I'm going to send you out, and he sends them out to all these cities. Then we come to chapter 11, and Jesus says, after his disciples have gone out, Jesus now goes out, but as he's going out to some cities as well, a couple of disciples of John the Baptist come up to Jesus. Now understand this about John the Baptist. We read, John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things that Jesus was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we be looking for somebody else? Now understand, John the Baptist has been in prison for quite some time. Some scholars believe that he'd been maybe there a year. Could have been shorter, could have been longer. But he's been in prison for a very lengthy time, out of commission. He was called to, to preach, to repent and baptize people, and he's not doing either. He's all locked up. And you have to wonder, so why does John send his disciples then to Jesus with this question? Was John struggling? Put yourself in his shoes. He's been in prison for quite some time. He was doing what God asked him to do. Go out and do this. I'm doing it, and now you're put in prison. But all he's doing is what you asked me to do, Jesus. And now look at me. I'm all locked. I can't even do what you called me to do. Did he do the right thing? Was he experiencing pain or frustration? Maybe discouragement. Maybe even doubt. Possibly. So he sends out a couple of his disciples to go to Jesus and say, are you the Messiah or is he yet to come? Now, earlier, think about this. He's asking this question. But earlier, a year or so earlier, it was John the Baptist who, when he saw Jesus, looked at his disciples and said, look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And here we are a year or so later. And he's like, are you the Lamb of God? Are, are you the Messiah? How does Jesus respond to that? Real simple. Jesus says, you go tell John about the things you're seeing here. The blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing, the lame are walking. 
Go tell him about the evidence. Go tell John, it's me and it's all good. And tell him he's doing the right thing. He's been faithful. I am who he thinks I am. And John, you are who you think you are. It's going to be okay. Look at the evidence. I love how Jesus points to the miraculous works of, of proof. You know, and again, miracles are proof. They're evidence of what God can do. And sometimes we lose sight of what's going on around us. If you're a person who journals, writes things down, maybe you have a prayer book and you've, you've written down answered prayer here or there, every now and then I would encourage you, go back, read. Look at the evidence of how God came through. It's in those moments I think we need to remind ourselves, oh yeah, what was I thinking? I, I wasn't thinking clearly, right? You wonder if John's thinking, okay, so you're the Messiah. You're doing all these great things. I see the evidence. But how about for me? I love Jesus, how you work in the lives of so many. But can you work in my life? I love hearing the testimonies of, of people, how how they've seen God at work in their life and they get in front of a church, in front of a Bible study, in front of a, a youth group and they, they share, I saw God work in my life this way. And we're like, yes! And what do we do? We sit here thinking, I wish he did that for me. Maybe that's what's going on in the mind of John the Baptist. We're not sure. But maybe he wants to know, why aren't you helping me? I'm in prison. Well, he may have been a little wavering in his faith and his soul definitely was not at rest. He needed some rest, didn't he? Maybe you can relate. Well, the disciples, they leave Jesus and they go back to John the Baptist. And as they take off, Jesus looks at everybody around and goes, let me, let me tell you something about John the Baptist, by the way. He is one of the greatest guys out there, a faithful servant. And Jesus talks up John the Baptist for the next few verses and just sort of like, so John is, is a faithful servant of God. Then he sort of switches gears and comes over this way and goes, um... But you know, some people aren't that way. It, just because he's in prison doesn't mean I've left him. We're all going to face adversity. Jesus promises that, us that. We will face adversity. We will face struggles. Because church, listen, it's very simple. We have a common enemy. The devil hates us. He's like a spiritual competitor that's out there 24-7 trying to oppose everything we do. He wants to destroy us. He doesn't want to just wound you. He wants to destroy you. He is evil. And he'll use every weapon available. And the only thing that saves us from that weapon, the only thing that saves us from that opponent, the only thing that saves us from our enemy is Jesus Christ. His work on the cross. Not our work here in a church. Not our good deeds, but his amazing sacrificial love. That's what saves us. And when we surrender to this truth, when we admit and surrender to them, we have this new life. And that's what Jesus is like. I want you guys to know this about John the Baptist. He gets it. He understands the message. He understands my mission. He understands the opponent. But there's some people out there that don't. And, and he sort of shifts gears and he looks at a bunch of cities that were rebelling and that were not listening to the truth. They were rejecting the message. He rebuked those cities because they didn't believe. He said there's judgment coming into those cities because they didn't believe. It's like he lifts up John the Baptist over here and he talks about these cities that don't believe over here. And he says, what's the difference between the two? They've both heard the message. 
those cities that are being rebuked, they've heard the message. John the Baptist has been out there sharing. He's heard the message. These cities over here, they've heard the message, but they're not listening anymore. I was thinking about that. See, you may, you may come in here and you may listen to me. You may listen to another pastor. You may listen to other church leaders or ministry leaders and, and, and you hear the truth about God's word and, and you hear the invitation to give your life to Jesus and you have a choice. You can re- accept or reject what I'm saying or what others say. And here's the thing. There's flaws about me. You might look at me and say, well, I don't like how you teach. I don't like the, the illustrations you use. I don't like how you dress. Let's face it, the shirt you're wearing is pretty bright today, Rex. And I don't like that, okay? Today's my mom's 91st birthday in honor of my mom and how she probably dressed me when I was 10. I'm wearing this for her. So there we go. All right. So anyway, there's, there's certain reasons. I mean, we will look at certain people and say, I can't relate to that speaker. I can't relate to that pastor. I don't like what they say. And, and so they, they won't listen. That, that's fine. Rejection of God due to the speaker is typical. It happened to the prophets. It happened with Moses. It happened with Jesus. And that's why I've said, and I haven't said this lately, but I used to, at the end of the church service, I used to say, as you leave, go invite somebody to Jesus Christ. Not, not hey, when you leave, go invite somebody to True North. Come back next week. I, I've never asked you as a congregation, go invite people to True North. I've asked you to invite people to Jesus Christ because it's not about True North. It's not about myself or any other pastor or any other speaker. It's about Jesus Christ. We need to invite people to Jesus and then they will choose to accept or reject that invitation. And that, that's on them. I was thinking about this. You know, um, one of the saddest verses in the Bible is found in John chapter 6, verse 66. Maybe because there's three sixes lined up there in a row, I don't know. But it is one of the saddest verses because Jesus is talking to his disciples, his 12, plus other disciples, other followers, other devotees that were like, hey, we're with you, Jesus, all the way. He said something that struck a chord with them. And then it says this, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. There were his disciples. These weren't unbelievers. These weren't pagans. These were people like, I'm following Jesus, I'm following Jesus. And Jesus said something like, I don't like what you said. I'm out of here. Boom, they're gone. That's going to happen. So it doesn't surprise me if I say something or another pastor says something or a church says something or a ministry leader says something and people are like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to listen to them anymore. Because as humans, we have that choice to accept or reject what's being taught. So Jesus says, these cities over here, I've taught them something. My disciples have taught them something. And these cities are rejecting them. Judgment's coming. Really simple, right? So in the midst of John the Baptist and these unbelieving cities who have rejected God's word, he stops and he pauses to pray. Look at verse 27 of Matthew chapter 11. He says this, My father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father. And no one truly knows the Father except the Son. And those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. So there's no, there's no secrets between God and Jesus. They know each other. There, there's no one who knows God like Jesus does. And there's no one who knows Jesus like God does. They know each other well. And no one knows God unless you know Jesus. So if you want to know God, you got to know Jesus. 
And as Jesus is sharing this and he's praying this, we get to verse 28. And after a day's worth of possible doubts from John the Baptist, disbelief, trying to figure out how do I get right with God? Do I do these good deeds or do I believe the message that's been given? Um, how do I know the Father? Jesus sort of pauses and says, whoa, whoa, you've got a lot you're wrestling with. You all look tired. You all look exhausted. Somebody's put expectations on your shoulders that you can't live up to. And he gives this beautiful verse. Come to me, all of you who are weary and tired. Come to me. This is a, this is a wide open invitation, by the way. You want to know God? Come to him. You want rest? Come to him. He doesn't drive anybody away. He doesn't say, hey, all you are weary, come find Moses. Come find Elijah. Come find John or Peter. No. Jesus, you got to come to me. Hey, come to True North. Nope. Come talk to Pastor Rex. Nope. Come talk to Billy Graham. You know, pick any famous person that you always looked up to and say, man, they are a very religious person. Pick anyone you want. Nope. Jesus, come to me. That's Jesus. Jesus shows the authority in the previous verse, in verse 27. He goes, here's my authority. And he says, I'm inviting you in. No one's worthy to say this. We just sang this. You are worthy of it all. You know why he's worthy? Because there's nobody else worthy of it. Jesus is the only one worthy to be able to say this. No pastor, evangelist, teacher, no one. The church doesn't preach that our, our church is the only way. We don't do that. We don't say, hey, True North is the only way. Hey, the missionary conference is the only way. Hey, Protestants is the only way. Our denomination is the only way. Nobody preaches that here in this church. You know why? We preach what God said in John chapter 14, verses 6 to 8. The words of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I said, I tell you what, the truth, what? I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you know who my father is, which he just told us here in Matthew 11, right? From now on, you do know him and you've seen him. Jesus is like, I'm the only way. It might sound like I'm being, I don't know, rude. and oh, I'm sorry, there's other religions out there and there's other ways. No, there's not. And if, 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 if people don't like it, don't accept that message, that's fine. I'm telling you what Jesus said. You want to argue with Jesus? You go for it. You will lose, okay? That's, just, that's truth. And I'm here to share truth with you. And that's, what, that's why Jesus, he's worthy. He's able to say, are you tired? Are you worn out? What expectations have been put on you? Do you think you've got to earn your salvation? The religious leaders did that. They, they, oh, you've got to jump through this hoop and jump through that hoop, and then you'll get right. It's wearing you out, isn't it? They've placed a lot of burdens on you. Oh, and you got other burdens too, all your responsibilities and your job and your family and to be the good spouse and to be the good parent and, and to be the good friend and, and da, 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 da. You're tired, aren't you? Come to me, all of you who are weary. All of you who are carrying a burden and all the burdens that other people put on you. Come to me. The invitation is all. The hurting, the sinner, confused about your gender, Jesus says, come to me. Confused about your purpose in life? Come to me. Confused about what you should be doing with your, with, your, with your spouse or how to raise your kids? Come to me. 
you confused about all these, these things that people argue about? Come to me. Come to me. The invitation is open to all. It's open to the kindest person in the world. It's open to the rudest person in the world. It's open to the person who likes to stir the pot. And it's to the person, open to the person who likes to be the encourager. It's open to the person who likes to tell people that, hey, God loves you. And it's open up to the person who likes to share all the gossip in the world. The invitation is open to anybody. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. You're all invited. Because here's the thing that we all have in common. We all are carrying something that we can't carry by ourselves. We can't. The burdens we carry, that's why he says, come here. Let me carry this for you. Come to me. You've, you've been trying, you know, thinking back to some of these, these other churches, these, I'm sorry, these cities that were living in disbelief. Living, some of these religious leaders, like all these expectations. Some of you, you're still trying to live up to the expectations your parents put on you, a teacher put on you, a coach put on you, a spouse put on you. He's like, I can't live up to these expectations. You're right, you can't. Come to Jesus. We are weary for so many reasons. Many years ago, Rick Renner, he's a Bible teacher. He's doing ministry in the Soviet Union. And at that time when he was in the Soviet Union, he said the economy was, has collapsed so much that fuel was rationed so much that people, everybody had cars and tractors. Nobody's driving anywhere. They're walking great distances because of the fuel shortage. He said one morning he went out to the back window and he looked out the back window and I'm going to tell you what he said. He said this, I looked out and I saw something I could hardly believe. Our neighbor had taken an old harness like that one you would normally place around the neck of a cow, a horse, or an ox and he hooked it up to his wife. He watched in amazement as this man was walking behind his wife who had a harness around her, pulling a plow as he was with the plow himself, trying to plow up their little plot of land to do the gardening. Everybody had these plots of land. How you plowed them, usually had a tractor. Again, fuel shortage. What do we do? And he's looking at this situation saying, this looked wearisome, exhausting, tiring. It was hard work, right? When you look at Matthew eleven twenty eight, the word weary is the word that describes exactly that. It's, it's wearisome in labor. There's just hard work going on and you are tired and you are exhausted because you've been pulling everything. That's how that word is described. And then the word too, where it goes on to say, carry heavy burdens, that phrase was used as a military term. So you would have a bag or a, a backpack and you would carry that burden. That burden was whatever you needed for your trip. Now, if you're going on a longer mission, a longer trip, you had a larger bag and you had more things in it. So you were carrying a heavier burden. But you were on this mission. You're on this journey. And again, this is what the scripture has sort of given us a picture of. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are tired. You, you're, you're wearisome. You've been just plowing away, just pulling. You've been working hard and you're carrying something that's meant for a long journey and you're getting tired and worn out. And I get it. He says, come to me and I'll give you rest. That rest is not job done. Nope. That rest is take a breather. Just, just pause. Take a breather. Regain your strength. Regain your focus. Find that refreshment. And then we'll go back at it again. 
See, we're, we're hoping for a complete rest, aren't we? Like, come to me, all you are weary, and then you're done. You can retire and be done. Just like, no, no, come to me, all you weary, and you'll find rest. You'll get that breather you need so you can continue your journey. You can continue moving forward in your spiritual journey. And he uses this word here. He says, he goes, take on my yoke. And again, I think I remember Brian preaching this at one time. He maybe, uh, I put the picture up there of a yoke. But the yoke in the Greek, it describes a, a wooden yoke that basically joined two animals together so you can combine the strength of two to pull a load instead of one trying to do it by themselves. So the, the yoke also made the team inseparable. So you can imagine, instead of one, you've got two pulling it together. And it makes the task so much easier. And Jesus says, take my yoke, my requirements, not the religious leaders, not all the expectations of everybody else that's around you telling you you have to do this. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. And it's a deliberate action on our part. We have to be the ones who choose to take up the yoke. We have to, Jesus gives the invitation, you have to make the choice. And this is Jesus' offer to the weary and the tired. Being yoked to Jesus means your life, your ministry, your business, your personal affairs. You are basically saying, I'm determined to do this with Jesus, not on my own. Because it's so hard because we want to do things on our own, right? I think when it comes to being a Christian, we all want to be like Jesus, don't we? You've seen those bracelets. What would Jesus do? What did Jesus do? Why would Jesus? You got all these different initials, right? And it's what would Jesus? Here's the thing. We're like, I want to live for Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. Here, let me tell you something. You can't live like Jesus. You can't live for Jesus until you're with Jesus. If you don't know what he's like, how are you going to live for him? You've got to get alone with him. You've got to get yoked with him. You, this is how you get with Jesus. When I'm yoked with him, I'm walking side by side with him. He is helping me carry my burdens now. And when I trip and stumble, he's there to help me stay up. And I'm going to find a little bit more rest than I was finding before. But now that I'm with him, I am now learning of him and from him. You want to live like Jesus? You've got to adopt the Jesus lifestyle. Everybody's like, oh, I want to be more like Jesus. Are you meeting with him? Are you walking with him? Are you spending time with him? No, then you won't be like Jesus. I know it talks about the Holy Spirit being in you and Christ in me. But if you're not spending time with him, if you don't know him, how can you be like him? His invitation is for you and I to travel at his side. Worship team, would you come forward, please? As I was thinking about an application for this message, and I, and I actually wrestled with this message again because it's like I had two messages I felt like God was leading me to speak. I ended up with this one. I hope and pray that this was the right one. But I felt like God was saying, we have a church and a world that is tired, that is exhausted, that is spiritually and mentally and emotionally burning out. Chasing after all the rules and regulations of you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. And it's like all these expectations placed upon us. We're just getting tired. And it's like, what do I need? Jesus, just stop. Come to me, all you who are weary and tired. Take, take my yoke upon you. Partner up with me. Walk with me. Be with me. I'll give you rest. I'll give you what you're looking for.
So I was thinking about that as application. I started to say, let me ask you this, church. When are you meeting with Jesus? This doesn't count. Sorry. I mean, this is great. This is I love to worship at the church body, okay? But when have you set aside your own quiet time with Jesus? When do you meet with him one-on-one? No TV in the background. No phone near you. When are you just getting quiet with him? Mark 1.35, it says, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Isolated meaning solitary, lonely, uninhabited, a desert, a wilderness, a deserted place. Jesus is like, I need my time with my Heavenly Father. And he got alone and quiet. If Jesus needs it, don't you think we do? Luke chapter 5, verse 16, But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. He got quiet with his father. Are you? I, I just, again, I want to encourage you. This isn't about, oh, I got to go out and I got to make this rule now to have a quiet time. It's not a rule. It's not a regulation. I'm just saying, you want to be like Jesus? You got to be with Jesus. And when you're with Jesus, you'll find rest for your soul. And I think a lot of us need that right now. So I want to encourage you. Find a quiet place. Find a quiet time. Get alone with his word. Just pray. It's like, I don't even know how to pray. Well, you got to start somewhere, right? Open up the Bible, read through a psalm, and just pray through a psalm. Need more help? I'll be more than glad to encourage you with what to do. But it's got to be between you and him. He's waiting to talk to you. He's not waiting for you to come talk to me, to talk to him. He wants to talk to you. He wants to give you rest. Would you stand, please? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for a reminder because sometimes I think we feel like John the Baptist. We might be a little discouraged. We might be worn out. We've been serving you and trying to go through this journey and we end up like a place like a prison where we, we wonder, well, Jesus, I know you do things in other people's lives, but are you going to do something in mine? And maybe we feel like that with John the Baptist. Or maybe we just reject your message. You're like, oh, thanks. I don't want to hear it. Maybe we have family members and friends. They don't want to hear it. They won't come to this church. They won't go to any church. They won't even listen to us when we talk to them. And yet the invitation is for everyone. For those that want to listen and don't want to listen. Those that are, those that are, are hurting and those that are tired. The invitation is for all just to come to you and find rest. God, I pray for this church that wherever we are today, emotionally, mentally, physically, or spiritually exhausted, Lord, let us come to you. Help us to find rest in you. Help us to get quiet with you. Lord, I thank you that we can have this morning and to worship you as a church body. God, as we leave this place, help us to seek that moment of quietness with you. We love you, Lord. We want to sing to you now. In thy name we pray. Amen.